Alternative Radio. Thank you so much for tuning into the Age of Jeremy. It is 11:23 when I'm recording this, um, but you listening to it is going to be 11:26. And what do we have to say for 11:26? Happy Thanksgiving! So I want to say some of the things that I. I'm grateful for, and I think that you should do the same. In Buddhism, that is one of the biggest things that we do in Buddhism, is we talk about the stuff that we're grateful for, because we got to be grateful for it. And you know what's sad? You know what I'm grateful? What I am grateful for is the fact that I'm learning that I need to be grateful for shit. I remember when I was a young, douchey finance guy, when I was in college and I was doing my finance classes, and I wanted to you know, work for Goldman Sachs. And, uh, actually that's mainly the only place that I wanted to work for. Um, cause why? Cause I was a douchey finance guy, <laughs> but nothing wrong with Goldman Sachs, a great company. Um, minus all the terrible shit that they do. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, but when I was, when I was younger, I only wa- I wanted to be an investment banker. I wanted to work in the hedge hedge. With, I wanted to work in a hedge fund, but I, I wanted to work in investment banking. Okay. And at that time, the reason being was I really like derivatives and I still like derivatives. I think hedging and um, the, the, the mathematics that go behind hedging is some of the coolest shit. Um, and, uh, I ho- and one of my favorite shows, and I think it's a, just a podcast now or it's a show on the CNBC um, app or something, um, was options trading. Um, the problem with the way that they look at options is that is that they look at his options, it almost seems like gambling, right? You're taking different positions within different stocks and doing certain things with options, um, uh, with calls and puts, and you're building certain strategies, right? Um, That is made to um, really just make money. Um, some, but, but in general, the reason what options were used for is to hedge against certain positions that you had within a stock portfolio. So when you're building a stock portfolio, you can utilize options to hedge some of that risk. And, um, but that's what I want to do. I enjoy that. I like it a lot. Um, I think, and, and mainly I like it because of the mathematics behind it. That was my favorite class in college was derivatives. Um, it's a finance 400 and something level class. Um, traditionally that's the, in my opinion, that's the reason why hedge fund managers, um, and investment bakers make good money is because they can create strategies that hedge risk. And that's important. It's also what led to the crash of 2008. <laughs> but um, the point being is that is that um, in fact I wrote a paper on in college because I was finishing my 400, 300, level classes in 2009 after the recession, and I did a lot of papers on swaps, um, and it and how it led helped lead to or did lead um, to the. Um, uh, the recession. Anyway, um, point of the story is, is that, uh, I'm grateful. And at the time I always thought, cause I was a douchebag, right? I was a douchey finance guy. I thought that's my phone. I thought that, that I did it all on my own, right? I wasn't grateful for shit. 
It's like, why am I grateful? I'm proud of the shit that I've done. And you should be proud of the stuff that you've done. But now that I'm older and I'm almost, you know, I'm 37, turned 37 in October. And I'm looking at my life and I'm like, I didn't do shit on my own, right? It wasn't just me. I had my wife helping me. I had my mom helping me. I had my grandparents helping me. I had my friends supporting me. Right? I had a roof over my head for most of my life. There's some parts of it where I didn't, but for the most part I did. Right, man? You gotta be grateful for the stuff that you have. And this is a great time to be grateful. It's fucking Thanksgiving. It's a terrible, terrible, terrible holiday. But if we take out all the terrible, terrible, terrible stuff that surrounds this holiday, the concept's pretty good. You got to be grateful for the stuff that you have. You know, another thing that I'm grateful for, I'm going to say, I'm going to say this right now. I'm grateful that my grandparents, I didn't realize this because I am just naive sometimes, but some people never met their grandparents. Fuck, I have known, my, I'm 37 years old and my grandparents are still alive. I'm pretty sure they're going to be alive until I'm into my 40s, maybe my 50s even. I did not know that other people did not know their grandparents. My grandma did not know her grandparents. That is crazy to me. And that's because I'm naive. I don't pay attention, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> I'm really super grateful for my grandparents. My grand, I was, I was raised by my mom. <laughs> my mom, we're super grateful for her. My grandpa, he was the only father figure that I had. It whooped my ass sometimes, but I deserved it. And I'm grateful for that. <laughs> Everything bad, my life, I'm grateful for. It's made me who I am. It's what, it's how you got to go through life. Life is so stupid. It is terrible. I do not believe I, I, I personally, me, I, I'm a Buddhist, right? We don't have a creator in Buddhism. Doesn't matter. I don't personally believe in God. We just, we're here. We live. We work. We hopefully save money and then we die. That's a shitty existence. That is a shitty, shitty existence. <laughs> so yeah, I'm grateful for the stuff that I have. I could be somebody else, somewhere worse off. I mean, life is sometimes terrible. The concept of it is terrible. We're born and then we do some shit and we die. You got to do some fun. You got to be grateful for the stuff that you have. So take some time today. Thank your family. Love your family. Be grateful for your family. As I'm getting older and I'm learning and, you know, I talk about my grandparents and, you know, eventually they'll be gone. Right. And I'm thinking like, well, who holds our family together after that? Because once my grandparents, are, that's the, you know, that's <laughs> the two people that we always, that's the reason why I see my cousins. I go over to my grandparents' house. For Thanksgiving, right? Yeah, family's important. You got, I feel like now that I'm older, you have to be grateful for your family. I mean, you can still choose not to hang out with your family. I'm not going to be like, you have to choose your family. You have to, you don't have to love or choose anybody. 
But, you know, the more I look at it, the more I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, some of my, you know, my family's pretty cool. I should probably get to know more. But anyway. All right. So we have a show for you today. What are we going to be talking about? Well, we're going to be talking about Tesla. And that's where we're going to start things off. And we're going to change up and make the show a little bit more structured. I'll talk about that more later because I'm recording this after I recorded the rest of the show. So hopefully this makes sense. All right. Enjoy. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the show. Enjoy it. My name is Jeremy Quintanilla. You are listening to Age of Jeremy. I'm an entrepreneur and I'm the co-founder of Age of Radio and 3T Fitness and well, other businesses that I am working on. This podcast is about everything that I learn and the trials and tribulations it took to learn them. I hope you enjoy. In the meantime, we're watching Tesla, which is surging in the pre-market on news. It will be added to the S&P 500 prior to the opening of trade on December 21. This is among the highest valued companies ever to enter the index and its market cap of about $387 billion. That's based on the close, uh, makes it more valuable than 95% of the companies currently in the S&P. Jim, if you take uh, current trading into account, of course, the market cap is a forehandle. I think they're baffled. I really don't think they know how to handle this. What do you do? How do you kick? You can't have the S&P 500 only have 497 companies. Uh, Although I've heard people on air sometimes say there are 500 companies in the S&P. Shocker. Uh, I don't know what they would do. I mean, they can't. What do they knock out? Uh, They can't knock out the smalls. It doesn't do anything. David, when they balance this, I think it is going to be they almost seem to have to take make everything smaller. Right. How, How about that? I guess. But, well, we've talked about, though, the influence of these mega cap companies on the index itself. Yeah. For the longest time, I always drew the distinction between the Dow and the S&P in part because one's a price weighted index, one's market weighted. But the fact is that Apple and Alphabet and Amazon and Microsoft and then you get down a little bit. All right. right. Facebook and then Tesla. They have enormous impact on the on the movement of the of the index itself. It's only what six, seven companies. And that's why I think that you see a lot of these younger investors say, you know what, I'm going to pick the best, the best. This index doesn't necessarily represent what I want, which is a piece of America. It represents a piece of about seven companies. And I think the younger people are not right. fooled. They are not in deceit. They do like ETFs, but so they like to way. buy individual so stocks that they think are going to be right. Are listening to this. And that's been their pattern, Carl. Younger people are really in certain stocks. They love Neo, for instance. You just yawned at my analysis. me somewhere. Reach out to me on one of the socials. And so my problem with the S&P 500 and what Jim Cramer is saying, and I've been a fan of Jim Cramer since I was in college. I just enjoy him in general. Is that I is that the information that we're giving people in the in personal finance from where most people are seeing their personal finance, which would probably be through TikTok or through social media of some type, is that this is what you should do. You should get a retirement plan, obviously, get a 401k, get an IRA. And invest in an index and just ride the whatever the market does for life, right? Because the market traditionally, it's very difficult to outperform the market in the long term. And it makes more sense to be in an index that mimics the S&P 500 or the Dow Jones Industrial 50. And and so, so when we're doing this, we're we're telling people to go and put their money in the S and P five hundred because over the life it's going to do you know probably like eight percent a year or something along those lines over the life of over your life, and that's what you're going to be planning for retirement. And so, 
So what Jim's saying is that, so I agree with Jim on this part. So I, I agree with Jim on this part. What I disagree with him on is that what he thinks that he, he's saying that millennials and youngers like to invest in ETF. That's part probably true, but the, but so that part's probably true, but the information that we're giving out to these young people is that get a 401k, get an IRA and invest in an index. What Jim's saying about the S&P 500 in this is that this is made up of seven companies, right? There's 497 companies or 500 companies in the S&P 500, and seven of them are almost the entire, the, the weight of those seven companies outweigh all of the other companies in it. Right. So is that really indicative of how our economy is doing or is it indicative of what these seven companies are doing? And is it smart for us as an economy to say that these are the seven companies that dictate whether or not our economy is doing good? And that's that's the that's the first problem with the S and P five hundred, and the first problem with this piece of it. The second problem is is that Tesla. So congratulations to Tesla. If you had Tesla prior to this, which I'm personally, I personally am a buy for Tesla. I think te- getting in on Tesla now is a great spot. I don't think that the four hundred and sixty one dollar and forty five cent place that it was on November seventeenth for the price of it is is. Um, it still has a long way to go, right? Because Tesla is just getting going and what it can actually do. And we just got an administration with the Biden administration that's going to really be focusing on clean energy. So there are things that will probably be in effect that will help Tesla and it will make Tesla grow. So Tesla, in my opinion, is a buy. Um, if if anything, it's a hold to see how things start going out at the beginning of the year. But I would say just buy it now. And again, I'm for long-term with uh, with my investing. And so I currently don't own any Tesla, but if you are going to invest, I don't think that there will be a problem investing in Tesla at this point, but consult your financial advisor. I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not a licensed uh, financial advisor. So I just want to reiterate that. Now, that being said, when we look at the S&P 500, there's a couple of other problems with it. One of those other problems is the fact that With the S&P 500, we look at it in two ways. We look at it as a way to measure our economy, and we also look at it as a way to invest into the future. And so when we think about it from an economical standpoint, right, if Tesla was one of the largest market values, why is it just getting in and put into the S&P 500 now. Well, that's because the S&P 500 has a has a revenue requirement or a profit requirement. It has to be profitable for 12 months, okay? So Tesla's been able to do that. It's been profitable for the last 12 months or the last four quarters or however you want to look at it. But it's it has met that market requirement for a while. So it just became profitable last 12 months. We decided to add it to the S&P 500. But in my mind, wouldn't it have been indicative if the market value met the S&P 500 requirement to have put it into the S&P 500 before because it may have lowered the S&P 500. It would have been what the actual economy was doing and we could have been able to see it rise to showcase the fact that, okay, Tesla's doing well, the economy's doing well, we can make this assessment that it's doing well, but we didn't put it in there because it didn't have any profit. But then if you did do it, what I said, and it meets the market requirement and you put it into the S&P 500, then it would have affected people's investments and their retirement. So that's a little, kind of a little weird. So it was, it was, 
If it really is what we think the economy is doing, we should take the revenue requirement back. But the reason why the revenue requirements are in the first place is because we want strong companies in the S&P 500. But if the companies aren't strong, but their market value is large enough, then that would be that would be what the economy is doing. And that's one of the problems with, with the, the indexes in general and following the indexes. The other thing is this, this S&P, this uh, spike in Tesla, when this news was announced, was the fact that we're going to get into a place where a bunch of passive funds to match their, their funds that, tr- that their funds that are weighted and, and, and tracked like the, in, the S&P indexes, they are going to go out and buy a bunch of Tesla, right? So on this news, Tesla goes up, people are going to start buying these stocks. Tesla's probably even going to go, go higher. Um, and then sometime at the next year, it's going to reevaluate itself based off of the market concern and people are going to pull back on it. It would be my guess. But as far as a buy goes, I mean, it's, I, I look at Tesla as a future company that's going to be around for a long time. If, if, and only if Elon Musk can create a good successor, um, I think that the technology piece that goes into it, the fact that he is so strong with the engineering piece of it, um, you have to find someone that is going to be innovative and lead that company. And when it's almost similar to the job thing, you need to find a, uh, if you're if you're um, Steve Jobs, you need to find uh, Tim. What's his name? I can never remember his name for the life of me. Um, it is Tim Cook. I don't know why I can't remember the cook part. So, like, does he have a Tim Cook that he can hand this over to? Because you never know. God forbid. I don't want this to happen. I think Elon Musk, probably a fantastic dad, seems like a fantastic guy, doesn't necessarily differ on some things. But, you know, other than that, seems cool. But if he dies, who's going to take over? Is that person going to be able to continue the company the way that he's done? Or is it just going to become another non-innovating company that moves into the future slowly? Or are we going to have someone that's going to look to say, hey, look, we need to get rid of this, the type of energy that we have. We need to make clean energy. We want to keep innovating in this, this solar energy. We want to keep uh, inventing in transportation. And we want to find other things that we can invent in. If they can do that, then yeah, we want that person to be running that company. But do we know if that person exists? I, I don't know. I don't. I'm, I need to probably follow that more. But but I think that this is something that we need to start looking at, and you need to start looking at for your finances and for your personal finances and your investing. Um, because the, the 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 thing is, and we're going to talk about this here in in a in a few moments, is that is that. The, the most important thing about having uh, uh, an investment portfolio or having a, a retirement plan is the plan. And you need to stick to that plan and you need to have the information to make good decisions about the, the, the stocks and the securities and the bonds and all of that shit that's being, being, being advised to you. Right. And that's what we hope to do with this show is help you be able to make strong decisions and understand the market, the finance, how this affects business. And, you know, we, I encourage everybody to have some type of side, side business. My theory on that is you might as well be selling yourself to customers rather than selling yourself to employers. Right. We'll be right back. 
So one of the things I want to get back to in this podcast is I want to be able to talk a little bit more about some podcasts that I'm listening to and podcasts that I think will will benefit you guys. Um, it, it, a lot of this is surrounded by business, but we're going to also be starting to introduce more investing and finance stuff. And we're still going to talk about the amazing journey that I'm going on with my business. But I think that as we kind of grow this show into an age of radio original, I think it needs to be back to being a little bit more structured And I wanted to kind of take my own advice and you want to talk about the things that you're passionate about. And one of the things that I'm passionate about is podcasting. Obviously, I am very passionate about retirement. I'm very passionate about taxes, very passionate about business. um, And I'm very passionate about uh, personal finances as well on retirement planning, wealth management, things of that nature. So those are the things that I'm good at. Those are the things that I went to school for. Those are the things that I talk to with my clients all the time. um, Things that I want to uh, teach you guys. But going back to the podcast thing, one of the things that I've been getting into a lot more this year is this understanding of family enterprises. Now, family enterprises is when you look at your family as the enterprise itself, right? It sits above your operating business. So you have your family enterprise, like how are you teaching your nieces and cousins and getting all of them involved with your business? How are you going into business with them? If you sell one of your businesses, what are, are you going to keep doing business together? Um, and I find that part fascinating for a couple of reasons. One, I think it's interesting what wealthy people do with their money. Um, Just in general, when you have a ridiculous amount of money, what you can actually accomplish within your family um, and how they kind of keep their family together through their values and their vision and they continue to do business with each other. The other thing that I think that works really, really well is that, or what I like about this is you can really take these concepts and you can kind of put them, you can kind of put it with anything, right? Like you can take these concepts and apply them to any family. These things are going to be good for everybody, right? And the problem arises though, if the family doesn't have the means to make these things priority. And though that's one of the main reasons why I think a lot of families fall apart because they don't have, some of them are in poverty and some of them are in lower, lower middle-aged classes. Um, and, um, you know, I hope that one day my businesses and my foundation and me as an individual and my family, we can help pull people out of that. I, I don't think that that's fair for anybody. Um, I didn't like being poor when I was growing up, so I wouldn't want that to, for anybody else. Um, a lot of people give that attitude that, oh, well, you went through it. They should have to go through it. That's so stupid, 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 stupid. We don't, we don't want people to have to go through those things. We can be a much better society if we're able to help people with those specific situations so they can focus on the amazing things that they're good at and they don't have to go through all that shit. Um, but anyway, I found this amazing podcast. It's called Successful Generations. It's from a woman named Ellie Frey Zagel. I've only listened to a few episodes. Here's a clip from one of uh, the episodes about um, rising uh, generational education um, from the Fox's. It stands for, uh, I think it stands for something office exchange. Um, hold on. Um, Fox 
Family office exchange. Jesus Christ. Okay. So let's answer the family office exchange. I can't remember. We were talking about families and I couldn't remember that. Okay. So this is from the rising general education with the family office exchange. Um, Mindy early. She's helps with um, some of the family like education uh, for uh, their clients. And, things. And, and of course the family as well, they're a family with an operating company and they're into the fifth gen. Like, um, it's wrong to assume they have a family office or that they even want one because they don't and they don't need it in this example. So we had to step back and talk about what that looked like and why, for particular reasons, people will establish a family office to organize common investment activity or accounting or taxes or these shared services that are separate from the function of the family business. But what it's the business of the family and what are the things that we need to put under that umbrella. Um, and there are common things. Uh, and then there are kind of boutique or, you know, extra services, um, managing HR function for the family, you know, hiring um, housekeepers and chefs and nannies. Um, there's IT functions. There's the learning function. So um, you don't need a family office to have that learning function. That is, thank you for asking that so I could answer that, that it's not necessary. Um, that learning. So I found that podcast on Google Podcast, and it is probably one of the favorite ones that I recently found, especially if you're in, you have a small business that you want to turn into a family business. It gives you good advice on the education piece. A lot of this stuff is geared towards sometimes towards families that are in different generations or families that may have sold an operating business and have had millions of dollars. But I really feel that no matter where your level is at in your family business, whether you're just getting started or you're in the second generation um, or you are a multimillionaire or a billionaire or what have you, it listening to that podcast, I think that you'll get a lot of great, great stuff when they talk about family councils a lot. They talk about the education piece of it. They talk about the philanthropy. Um, they thought, talk a lot about family meetings. They talk about um, succession planning, all kinds of stuff. Um, and so I think that you should definitely give it a shout, uh, a shot. You can find it on Google Podcasts. I traditionally use Stitcher. I couldn't find this specific podcast on Stitcher. I'm sure it's on Apple. I know a lot of people use Apple. I've been using Stitcher for a long time. I'm thinking about changing mainly because Stitcher doesn't have, or uh, Stitcher just doesn't have some of the podcasts that I want. I'm mainly the one of the ones that I went to go look at was Barron's uh, advisor podcast. That's a new one. I couldn't find it on Stitcher, found it on Google podcasts. So I was like, okay, I'm going to make the switch over to Google podcasts. But when I started to look at it, I couldn't categorize things the way that I was able to in Stitcher. Um, and that's one of the things that I uh, didn't like, which is more one of the reasons why we need to get our age radio app done um, and started, um, which is going to um, be the topic of another podcast. But what I wanted to talk about today, because I think it's really, really important, is you have to get started with retirement. Like you have to, retirement has to be a part of your life. Uh, whether you're a small business owner, whether you're an employee, um, it has to be a good part of your life. And one of the things that I mainly want, one of the one of the things that I talk about a lot is the best way to set yourself up for a good retirement is, is to have a side hustle, have a side business. You, as long as it's not a direct conflict of interest with your current employer and you're willing to put in some fucking work, have a side hustle. You know, I love the term side hustle. I think that's great. Um, I look at it more as like you're keeping your job because you're leveraging your losses. 
And so you're, and, and let me explain that. So let's take John. So John is my business partner for 3T Fitness, okay? He gave up like everything to get 3T Fitness going and he is prospering now, right? I worked my ass off and hedged myself. So my my return on that isn't as high as John's, right? Because if I jumped out of corporate America, as they, a lot of people like to call it, or if I quit my job at the bank and I just jumped out and did a fitness company, I'd probably be more prosperous. I might even have 50-50 ownership with him or, you know, yeah, six, uh, or probably 50-50. It wouldn't go higher than that. But like the point is, is that I stayed with my job. I worked a lot of hours. I benefited. But the thing is, is that if we failed, I still had my job. That's a leverage. It's, that's leveraging your losses. You do it a lot in investing. Okay, you do it with a, an investing term called derivatives. We're not going to talk about that now, but you can go and look at it. Um, it's it's a hedge, right? You're hedging your bets. Okay, I, I guess leveraging is not the the best word. Hedging your bets is the word. Leverage. Some people throw that out as leverage. It's hedging your bets. Leverage is something different. So it, I apologize. So that would be hedging my losses, right? Because I still have my job, my business is going good. Well, I'm fucking doing great now, right? I have I have this business doing something that's making me money. I have my job at the bank making me money, right? That's great. You should have a side hustle. That's how you can get ahead. Working more, but selling yourself to businesses or selling yourself to clients and not your sell, selling yourself to employers. That's the problem. When you sell yourself to employers, that's how, that's that concept that people talk about a lot where that's how you stay poor or what the poor teach their kids to do is work for employees. Well, you can get rich that way if you're smart and you save and you invest your money. But if you go and you start a business, that's how wealth is made by owning operating businesses or by owning and operating businesses, right? Um, but if you take this hedge concept a little further, if we look at age of radio, I don't put more than maybe 20, 20 hours a week in age of radio, right? I want to put more, but I can't, I, it doesn't make enough to leave my job. But if I did leave my job at the bank and I started doing that, right. Yeah. I might be making money a lot faster, but if it fails and I have to file bankruptcy, then I didn't get ahead, right? So the hedge is I'm keeping my job, I'm working a lot, I'm getting less of a return on my age of radio because I didn't jump out of my job at the bank and go just work for age of radio full time, right? So that's the number one thing. If you are good at something, sell that thing that you are good at as your side hustle. Don't do this shit that, this is my opinion, don't, in my opinion, I don't, Yes, it might benefit people. I don't believe in flipping shit. Okay. I don't believe in flipping houses. Um, my wife wants to flip houses. I'm not a and when I say I don't believe in flipping houses, I doesn't mean that I don't think that that it can make people money. But the 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 idea of flipping a house is to make the owner money. It's not to get other people into more houses. Right. If I were to start a business, I would find a way to start a business that runs it runs and can pay its bills and create create housing at a lower cost for people. 
Like, I'm not going to go and help people and be like, I'm going to flip a bunch of houses. I'm going to go put a bunch of money in. I'm going to jack up the price of that house in the neighborhood. And then I, I guess how you're helping the other homeowners, but you're not helping the tenant, I guess. Um, and, and actually, you're probably hurting, hurting renters in that area if their homo, the homeowners homes go up. And that cost of living rises, they can probably charge more to those tenants to live there. And I'm not into that. That's what I mean. I don't believe in it. It's not a way that I want to make money, right? One of the ways that I want to make money with houses is I want to own a couple more houses, right? When I own my uh, mother owns her house, as soon as she moves out, I want to rent that, right? Or she's going to rent it or however that happens. I want to rent that house. Right. And I want to run it below market because we don't need all of the money. We can take a smaller profit so someone can live in a fucking house. Right. That's what I mean by I don't believe in believe in flipping houses. That's what I mean. You know, I don't believe in flipping vacuums. I don't believe in flipping baseball cars. I don't believe in going to garage sales and finding shit and flipping them. You are not adding any value to the world, in my opinion. And some people are going to be critical of that. Some people are going to be like, well, it's living for me or it's helping that industry or what you're. I just if I think of what are you good at? You know, if 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 just selling and flipping things is the thing that you're good at, then yeah, I guess go ahead. I guess go ahead and make that your side hustle. But if you're good at music or you're good at making movies, or you're good at drawing or you're good at washing windows or you're good at taxes or you're good at whatever, go and meet people and sell yourself to them and make that make that your side hustle. Add value to other people's lives. Don't just add value to yours. Add value to other people's lives. That's what I mean when I say that I don't believe in flipping houses. But the point is, is that's your number one place to start with retirement. Start a business. That should be the first thing on your mind. How can I start a part-time business? How can I grow that part-time business? How can I keep my career at my job and keep making more money? That's the number one thing to start with retirement. Owning businesses has changed my life. I am not a millionaire, but I will be. And again, it's not about being a millionaire. It's about adding value to other people. But if we're just talking about money solely, right? Right? The businesses are growing. Age of Radio's had triple the revenue since last year. Maybe even quadruple. I need to work on that tonight. 3T Fitness has doubled its revenue every year. We focus on changing people's lives and value. Value. Give value to customers. Don't give your value to employers. Be respectful to your employers. Follow their rules. You know, don't be a dick. But most employers... If they need to cut expenses, you're still a fucking expense to them. You're not on the balance sheet. Well, you might be if you're a liability to the company, but you're you're an asset. You're not an asset. You're a fucking expense. That's what you have to do. You have to start a business. I will preach that till the day I die. That's the number one way for to have a good retirement.
Because if that works out, if you sell that business for $7 million, if it makes $10 million a year and you take home a million a year, that is how, that is how you start a retirement plan. The next thing that you do, that's number one, start a retirement plan. The next thing that you do, you do one of two things, okay? You start a 401k. Here's the reason why 401ks are good. They're not good because of the shit that they put you in. The fucking shit that's in 401ks are traditionally garbage, Okay traditionally garbage. They're all funds. They're target date funds. They just match indexes. Your company will probably have some guy that's a financial person be like, let me take a look at it. Let me put you in some small cap shit. Let me put you in some some large cap shit. Like, yeah, cool. It, the, the shit that's in 401ks, you don't have a lot of selection. That's the problem. Okay. My 401k, I've, I'm, I'm in a target date fund. And I am in large cap and the company's stock. Okay. The reason why 401ks are good is because your employer traditionally matches some. So it's money that is is not taxed right, right away that goes into the 401k. Okay. And that your employer matches. So if you put in a hundred dollars, if you're, if 1%, if your employer matches, we'll say, we'll say 1%, right? Most employers will match somewhere between three and 6%. But if it's 1%, right? You have 1% uh, of your income is a hundred bucks a month, right? Your employer puts in a hundred bucks a month. You made a hundred dollars, right? You are investing someone else's money. That's the reason why 401ks are good. If your company doesn't offer you a 401k, you can do one of two things. Okay. I'm going to say this. I don't know. Um, I insurance um, or some type of whole life insurance policy. They're decent to have as investments. And the reason why, because the way that the insurance works, the insurance, so it's life insurance, but part of the way that the insurance works with the cash value piece of it is that some of it, right, you, it, it has a gain, right, on the, the, mar, the index that it's in, like the index goes up. You don't get quite as much as the index goes up because the, the life insurance company take, has a piece of that, but you have a floor that you can't lose all the money that you originally put in. Okay. Now, I'm not an expert on the insurance piece of it. This is, that's something that I do, that I would recommend if I were a financial advisor. Um, so I recommend that you go to a financial advisor and learn more about insurance or annuit- and annuities, right? Um, another one is MPI. That's a very popular one. An old uh, business partner of mine, Curtis Ray, he started that, Suncor Financial. Reach out to him. You can reach out to him on Instagram at I am Curtis Ray, I think is what it is. You know, I'm not a huge fan. I'm just being honest because I love love anybody who listens to my show, right? But not a big fan of him. But if he's helping people, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be a dick to him about his business, 
right? His business seems to be helping people. I know there's some, you know, just do your research, read what you're getting into, do your due diligence, maybe cross-reference it with another financial advisor um, and and take a look at him. But you can reach out to him on um, uh, Instagram. I'm just double checking because I know he has, I am Curtis Ray. So I am Curtis, C-U-R-T-I-S and then Ray, R-A-Y. He was an investor. He's the reason why we're able to have 3T Fitness. Um, Again, not a big fan of him is a um, individual, right? He's a nice guy, does lots of great stuff for his community. I wouldn't hang out with him at a party, right? He wouldn't hang out with me at a party probably. Um, but um, from what I can tell and what I understand of his 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 product that he offers, it does really well. A lot of people swear by it. It's really great. It's it's part of a, a life insurance piece is a part of it. So go reach out to him. Um if you want um, the other thing, you know, right, besides that life insurance, you know, get a, get an IRA. If you're an employer, you can get a SEP IRA if you have your own business, right? IRAs are good. There are restrictions on the stuff sometimes that you can invest in within them. Um, you, there's also a max that you can put in a year, right? So, like, uh, I think the average, the regular is $6,000. Let me double check that. Got my trusty computer right here. Um, yeah, so uh, maximum annual contribution limit for 2019, 2020, and 2021 is $6,000 or $7,000 if you're age 50 or older, right? So, hey, you know what? Go start an IRA. Those are great ways, okay? Those are the two things that you should have. Now, the trick is, is that the business the reti- and the re- we're calling this the retirement plan, the business, the IRA, and the Roth IRA, those things need to stick to a plan. The biggest reason why people fail in retirement is because they didn't stick to the plan or they deviated from the plan. Okay, and I'm not talking about don't re- re-look at the plan and make some adjustments to stay on course, blah, 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 blah. I'm saying people just get so fucking weary about the market. They get so emotional about money you cannot be emotional about money i know it's your retirement but that's one of the reasons why you have the business the business and your job are the two best hedges for retirement in my opinion okay or a retirement like a 401k or an ira plan okay i don't think i have an ira right i don't buy mutual funds I don't, I like ETFs. Um, I just think they're cool. Um, um, I, I buy ETFs and I buy stock. And then in my 401k, I just have their stupid funds that they allow. Right. But you need to do those two things, even if it's $50 a month. Little by little, it adds up. Little by little, the interest, well, the the appreciate the the stocks appreciate, right? They keep appreciating. A million is not going to be um, worth as much in the future, but you could retire a millionaire. Easy. Everybody can retire with a million. It's not as far as goes as you think it goes, but you can retire with a million dollars. And of course, if you don't, if you've never seen $100,000, a million dollars is going to be fucking amazing. It all depends on how you live, right? But you can get there. You can get to that million dollars. You just got to stick to the plan. You got to stick to the plan. Your financial advisor can sit down and make a plan. You, as a side hustler, 
as a side hustle, as a business owner, you can build a plan. You can follow that plan. That's what I did with Age Radio. Triple the revenue this year. Me doing this shit part time. I just followed my plan. You stick to the plan. You focus on the goals and you just keep moving forward. I don't know where I read this or who told it to me or what. I think it, I think, I think this was a, a senator or a, a congressman, maybe. I don't fucking know. It was, a, it was someone. And they said, you know, the biggest reason why people do not do not become wealthy is because they get out of line. And that's not like, oh, my dog got out of line. I got to get her back in line or my friend got out of line. I got to get him back in line and all that shit. I'm talking about, I'm talking about <laughs> it a job. Traditionally, the people that become CEOs have been for that with that company a long time. The people that retire millionaires have been with that company a long time. They dedicate their whole life to that company. They don't get out of line. They stand in the line. They work in their one position. They keep moving up in their positions. They become other positions. They learn new skills. They keep going up. They keep going up. They keep going up. They keep going up and they make 100, 150, 200, 300, 400, 500,000 dollars a year. That's sticking to a plan. You have to stick to a plan if you're going to be a millionaire. That's the trick. That's the hard part, too. Getting to that million dollars. That's the hard part. Actually, I also think getting to the $100,000 is the hard part. I think all of it's hard, but it can be done. You can do it. You just have to stick to a plan. So for your retirement plan, the number one thing you should do today is make a list of the shit that you're good at and say, how can I make money doing this shit by selling myself or what it is that I'm good at to customers and not to employers? That's the number one thing. I'm personally, I'm going into taxes. I'm good at taxes. I'm going to sell myself to customers. Then I'll hire some people. We'll do books. We'll do taxes for other people. We'll get better at taxes. We'll make sure that we're better than everybody at taxes. And we'll just keep going. We'll stick to the plan. It's that easy. Sticking to the plan. Doing what you're good at. Selling yourself to businesses, not selling yourself to employers. Okay. Okay. So once you do that, make a list, find out what you're good at, build a plan to that. Then if you work for a company that has a 401k, they probably have a 401k administrator and the administrator or the company has someone that can help you find out what to invest in. Go and just start investing. Forget about it. And in like five or six years, you'll have 20, 30, 40, 50, $60,000. Okay. It doesn't sound like a lot, but it keeps growing from there. If you don't have a company that offers you a 401k, Get an IRA. Go see Curtis Ray at I am Curtis Financial, MPI. It's doing really well. Go talk to a financial advisor about life insurance, whole life insurance, annuities. Minimize some of that risk because you don't want the only risk of your retirement plan that you want is starting that business. And you want to hedge that. How do you want to hedge that? Keep your job. Start your business, hedge the business, keep your job, work your ass off, grow it, slowly grow it, get it going, keep going, 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 
right? And all the while, slowly build your retirement. That retirement has to have as minimal amount of risk to it. There's lots of different ways that financial advisors can do that. Okay. There are. Talk to your financial advisor. They should know those ways or they shouldn't be a fucking financial advisor. Okay. And just so I have, and, and just, I kind of want to reiterate this too, because it sounds like I'm just giving financial advice and I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> but, but I do work with large clients all day long, large business clients. I have, I just need to take the series 65 test. Okay. That's a license to become a financial advisor. I have an MBA. I have a finance degree. I have an accounting degree. Um, I do bookkeeping for multiple businesses. Um, I do financial advising for my family and friends and they do very well. Okay. Um, so it's not like I'm just talking the shit out of my ass or talking out of my ass. That's weird. Talking out of my ass. I'm not talking out of my ass, right? I do. I do know what's happening in the world. I do know what's going on. I don't want people to take advantage of you guys. I don't want to come on here and be do this, do that, do this, do that. You know, the stupid Robert Kiyosaki shit. If you watch any of my TikTok stuff, Robert Kiyosaki, there is a couple of things that I do agree with. And I do like, he does have like an ASMR-y voice, especially when he does his millennial money and he's got the sketchbook up there and he's writing with the marker. So that part I like, but fucking Robert Kiyosaki, right? The fucking whole shit about the house isn't a goddamn asset. Like that's misinformation. A house is an asset. And I talk about that a lot because for some reason that annoys the piss out of me. And I don't know if it's because of my accounting degree and my finance degree and what. I get what he's trying to say. And I get what he's trying to do. And I get, you know, he's trying to sell a product, blah, 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 blah. But it just annoys the piss out of me. The other stuff that annoys the piss out of me is about people always talking about flipping houses, getting in the real estate game, all this shit. There's all other kinds of cool shit to do if you want to make money. And that cool shit that you can be doing is the shit that you're already good at, that you're selling to employers or you're not doing anything about that you could be selling to customers. I remember John. John Vasquez, I'm going to use John as an example, my buddy, Coach JV. Follow him on uh, TikTok. We have, uh, well, we have, he has, because he works his fucking ass off. He has 400, 500,000 followers. In fact, I'm going to look to see how many followers we have right now on TikTok. Coach JV. And this is the reason why I'm fine not being 50-50 owners, because I get to utilize the shit. It makes me sound like I have a lot of cool shit going on. Okay. Um, um, but hold on, let me go to TikTok real quick. I just want to I just want to see what, what we have. This is mine. Okay, we got. Okay, Coach JV uh, uh, underscore. Coach JV underscore TikTok. We got 413.5 thousand, 2.8 million likes Coach JV does, right? That's the other thing. If you also want, if you want, you know what the other thing is? Okay, first of all, Coach JV, this is what I want to, what did I, what did I want to say with Coach JV? I got on a rant and then I got off track and I started talking about Coach JV and I can't remember what it was that I wanted to say about him. So go, go follow Coach JV on TikTok. Um, he does TikToks all the time. They're fun. Oh, that's what it was. Okay. I remember when me and John started 
when me and John started 3T Fitness, we're sitting in his house, right? Because our first podcast, so we have a fitness facility in Mesa, Arizona. And so we were sitting in his his office in his house. And I call it an office, it was just a spare room that we turned into office. And we we had just built a podcast studio, so we were trying to get the sound right. And we were like, okay, well, what are we going to do? So we took the mattresses and we put them up on the wall and we used a bunch of pills and built a pill to wall, a pill a pillow wall. And that's how we recorded the first audio book that we never released. And also how we recorded the podcast every day or he did. Okay. And so I remember him saying, it's like, well, John, you know, if you really need to make money, like, I don't see why you can't get, cause it started off as a success coaching business. So John being a, 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 a vice president of a bank, um, same bank that I still currently work for John being the vice president of the bank, he was going to uh, quit the quit the bank, and then he was going to start doing success coaching for like high level clients, right? Like CEOs and shit. And so when he was going, when when we were doing that, he asked me, he's like, "What well, do you think I can make money?" I was like, "Well, I don't see why you can't, because like you're you're good at selling people. You have a great personality. You have this, you know, you're a motivational speaker type person, blah blah blah." And I was like, "Well, at the end, you're really good at health and fitness, so you could just sell health and fitness to people." And I remember him being like, "Well, I don't want to. I don't want to be a coach again, you know, because in the past he was a, a professional bodybuilder and he had a, a a coaching business." And I was like, "Okay, well, you know, but you're good at it." And it just and so I bring that up because eventually he needed to make money, so he started taking on. Clients. Then he came up with a 3T fitness model. He did the thing that he was good at and it ended up as what started us getting the money, right? And so that's the thing that I always find humorous about it. Now where we're at, he can do the, the motivational speaking. We have our warrior program and, and, and everything. And you can check it out or just reach out to us on TikTok. Again, I'm big into social media with TikTok. So, so go follow him on TikTok. Follow me on TikTok at age of Jeremy. But the, the point is, is that you, you are good at something. Don't fight that thing that you're good at. Lean into it. If you're a Christian and you believe in God or you believe in a higher power, you believe in Buddha and you want to believe in destiny and all that stuff, right? They gave you skills. God gave you skills. Buddha gave you skills. Well, Buddha was not a creator, but the concept, right? Goddess gave you skills. If you're a Wiccan, utilize those fucking skills. Those are the things that you're supposed to be doing. It's hard though. Sometimes because we live in a society that says I need to go get a job. I need to work 40 hours a week for someone else. Work 40 hours for yourself on top of those 40 hours. You'll make, you'll get going real quick. Just takes time. I remember Curtis, the, the guy that owns the Curtis Suncor financial I remember Curtis was telling me once um, when he invested in 3T Fitness and he was like, he he had said that, he had said that, uh, um, he had said that it takes like two or three years to get going. And he was not wrong. And he had done it before. So obviously he knew what he was talking about. Um, and same thing with MPI. He's been working on MPI for five, six years and now it's just taken off, you know, so it takes time. Hustle that shit. Put in the work. You have to put in work. You have to put in work. 24-hour days sometimes. 16-hour days. But if you want a good retirement, that's the number one thing you can do. Stop selling your skills to employers and start selling your skills to customers, to clients. That's how you build a good retirement plan. I will stand by that until I... (laughs) 
<laughs> until I don't know. I mean, I'm just watching it grow, everything grow. And, and you do, you like, sometimes you fail and you have to say, this is stupid. Why am I doing this? That's how I'm getting with the bizarre age of radio, bizarre age of radio.org forward slash B A Z A A R supposed to be a way a place where people can buy affiliates. We get shit loads of clicks. No one's buying anything. That's probably because the stuff that's on there. No one wants to buy. And I get that, <laughs> but I haven't given it a hundred percent, right? Give it 100%. If it's still not working, you know, maybe re- redirect um, what it is. But that's how you build a retirement plan. And over the course of some of these, you know, these things, talk, uh, I'll, I'll give you things that I'm purchasing. GE's really big into my stock portfolio. Um, I'm a big long on GE. Again, not a financial advisor. Go consult a financial advisor. I um, GE, something I care about. Pepsi. I'm a big Pepsi. Pepsi fan, don't drink a lot of Pepsi, um, but they own Quaker and they own Frito-Lay um, and they own Gatorade. And I think they bought Rockstar. And that's a pretty good portfolio of companies or portfolio of brands that they have. You know, um, for some reason, I own Virgin Galactic. I just think that's cool. Um, and that's the other thing. And buy the shit that you like. Invest in the stuff that you enjoy. More of the reason to go back to my point and make a list of the stuff that you're good at, because that's probably the stuff that you enjoy. And if you want to invest in the stuff that you enjoy, start businesses doing the stuff that you enjoy. Man. I just look around and I see people and they're just not, they're not living up to their potential. And you know what? That's okay. People don't have to live the way that we want them to be. They can live their lives. That's fine. No one really complains or bitches to me. I'm not... I'm not into that. I just do my own thing, right? Um, but if you want a good retirement, I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to end. Make a list of the things that you're good at, whether you like them or not. Hopefully, you like them. If you find ones that you do like and you are good at them, those are the ones you really need to be doing and start selling yourself to customers. Stop selling yourself to employers. Hedge that by keeping your full-time job, doing the side business, with every other ounce of hours that you have. Start a retirement plan that's made for you to retire. Right? Be conservative in it because you want it to last. Do a 401k. Do an IRA. Talk to your financial advisor about annuities and life insurance policies for their cash value, not for the actual life insurance part. That's something you should do, but that's not what we're talking about here. Or go see Curtis Ray at I am Curtis Ray and check out his MPI system. Again, I don't invest in that. Again, I just want to, for the record, me and Curtis probably wouldn't hang out as friends, but you know, he's a good person. You know, he's does a lot for the community. He does a lot for, he loves his family. He is a good, he's a, he's a business. He's, he's a good businessman. Um, and MPI seems to be doing well. Check it out. Read everything. Make sure that everything's kosher. Have a financial advisor look over it. But I want you guys to be successful, but I, I also want you guys to be safe. So. I appreciate all of you guys for listening to this again. Please follow me on LinkedIn. Uh, Jeremy Quintanilla. Follow me on TikTok at Age of Jeremy. That's when I enjoy the most. Follow me on Instagram at Age of Jeremy. Follow me on Facebook at Age of Jeremy. Check me out on Twitter at Age of Jeremy Q, because apparently Age of Jeremy was out there for some reason. Follow me on ageofjeremy.com, and we'll talk to you guys next time. I guess you can't really follow me on ageofjeremy.com, but go check out ageofjeremy.com. Hopefully, there'll be some more content there, and we'll be working on that side a little bit more. So, um, Again, happy Thanksgiving. You guys have a great day. Bye. 
Thank you for listening to The Age of Jeremy. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcatcher. If you can do me a favor, please rate this podcast if your podcatcher allows you to. Talk to you soon.